Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, with my friend, my colleague, my co-host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor, resident of the Pastoral Training Center, master's student, masters of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's How not you me, been, that's, brother? that's God, just so you know that. Okay, you right. I'm thinking of He-Man, I guess. Um, yeah, doing well. My mother recently visited, and we had that same old, we've said this on the podcast I've got this before. On, and my notes for the banter, <laughs> too. Granny's in town. <laughs> I wanted to talk about town. Granny's in town. Uh, and whenever she's in town, and we've said this before on the podcast, man, I get some treats there. I right? got some treats. Every time she's in town, I get treats. I got some Scottish fudge. Uh-huh. Thank you, Pat. I really appreciate it. It's thinking of me. Making room... Taking something that you might have brought for Ross out of the suitcase yeah. to make room for something you bought for Jared. And that, all I'm saying is that is a really privileged place. So you got, you <laughs> It got, was probably two <laughs> bottles of Iron Brew that she took out yeah, of there just well, for me. Easy. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, every we've, we've debated about, you know, whether it's cheaper to just order it in or whatever. But honestly, my, my mother basically brings just like a suitcase of stuff. And I, I, I I'm just so grateful because... Yeah. <laughs> Now, it's so like, good. Is she smuggling this stuff, Ross? Is there some uh, is there some skirting of legal parameters in her bringing of these things? No comment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's certain items, not illegal items, but food items that perhaps aren't supposed to make it across. I don't know. No comment. No comment. Uh, okay. Well, we I don't want to get in trouble. I, I and you want to continue to get your iron brew and everything else. To be else. honest, it's funny. It's it's mainly like sweets and candy for the kids yeah. and, and the, the various treats that we, we like. But Granny's not going to be coming back this year for a little while. It might it'll be maybe, you know, Christmas, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We might go back to the UK this summer. We don't know. But it's like I'm looking at these treats going, okay, how do I ration these out for the next few months? <laughs> And uh, make it last. Well, when we went to the the cinema recently to see Jesus Revolution, yeah, I, I, I opened the cupboard to take out one of these bags of sweets to take to the the theater, and I was really excited about British British treats. And literally, as I pull it out of the cupboard, one of my kids shouts out, "What are you doing with our treats?" <laughs> and I was like, I slowly put it back in the cupboard and Whoa. ignore it. <laughs> yeah, you hear a voice that's not hers. Yeah, that's my candy. <laughs> <laughs> my younger daughter, when she was itty bitty, she would get that voice. She's like, where is this coming from? Yeah. You might need to call in an but exorcist. But part of the reason you got uh, fudge from Scotland is because Nessie was on the phone. Yeah, that's right. It's ne- It's not just Scottish fudge. It's Nessie. It's so Nessie. She, I, I think she appreciates that I appreciate the lore of the Loch Ness Monster. And I so. think it's all ridiculous. So, so. man, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, <laughs> but let's get off on a rabbit trail. Have you been to Loch Ness? I, of course. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, don't have say you? of course. I mean, I haven't been to the Grand Canyon. I live in America, so I'm not going to assume you've been to Loch Ness just because <laughs> you've been. Okay. So you've been to Loch Ness. Yes. Didn't see anything. I mean, everyone just sees a bit of wood that sticks out <laughs> of the water. That's is all that what is. you think it is? I, that's all is, it is. Is it a big sturgeon, maybe? Is there a sturgeon in Loch Ness? It's just a big piece of wood that comes out. With, <laughs> and when the water moves, the yeah. wood shifts a little bit. Yeah. So it's like the same piece of wood? Or are you just saying that when it's when somebody sees something, that's what they're seeing? It's probably someone at midnight going out, <laughs> wading out. What, what, what I can tell you is around Loch Ness, it's basically Americans, American and Chinese tourists that okay. go and see it. And they take a coach up to it. Um, my wife is from West Coast of Scotland. I would say, you know, you can go to Loch Ness. You can see all this ridiculous storyline. 
or or just travel around the west coast of Scotland and enjoy it. And it doesn't have to have some weird historical non-existent monster. It can just be pretty. Is it pretty? Yeah. So apart oh, yeah. from the attraction of the oh, 100%. idea of the yeah, monster, yeah. it's a pretty place. Yeah, I mean, one of one of my wife's and I favorite places is is kind of the the countryside and the hills of of Scotland and the lochs that are in Scotland. It's not a lake, just okay. a, a loch. What, what's the difference? Was a loch? It's the Scottish way of saying lake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there is there access to the ocean no. from it? Okay. What about underground? Because one of the theories is. Yeah. <laughs> that Nessie actually lives in the ocean, and the reason that you can't find it or it isn't often there is it comes through some underground. How do you find time to write over twenty books and <laughs> and, and research the nonsense that is an underground sea monster from the sea? I've got a very fertile mind, <laughs> and I take in a lot of information. And some of my books uh, actually include information on well, things like enjoy your Nessie, enjoy your Nessie okay. fudge, and, and, and the knowledge that is not true. Yeah. Well, speaking of giving Nessie fudge to pastors, like that transition. Great. Today, <laughs> today's topic is the care and feeding of pastors. Literal feeding. That's well, maybe literal feeding. Yeah. We're going to talk about what church members can do to encourage, support, mm. build up their spiritual. Leaders, man, some of the stats, some of the articles we've been seeing in the last, you know, few months, speaking to the high rate of burnout. There's a lot of pastorless churches out there. I don't think we're quite yet seeing some of the post-COVID consequences or post-COVID sort of fallout. But during COVID, some of the surveys were folks, pastors were surveyed, and very um, uh, high number, increasing number of those who say, "I'm feeling burnt out." Yeah. I'm questioning whether I'm called, whether I want to be in ministry. So I wonder if we're going to begin seeing even more of this sort of pickup pace. And mm. so I just thought it'd be good to have an episode where you and I, you know, we've been on both ends, both of us, yep. right? So for seven and a half years, I was out of the pastorate. And now I'm not a vocational pastor, but now a lay pastor. Mm. So a pastor again. You were a pastor before you moved to yep. Kansas City. Now you're out of the pastor. So we've yep. been on both sides. I thought yeah. maybe it'd be helpful for us to talk about this. Yeah. It's different than the guy who's been a pastor for 30 years straight, yes. ta- yeah. you know, talking about it. And it's different than someone who's never been a pastor talking about it. Yeah. I think we're very unique, beautiful snowflakes. We can <laughs> talk about this. And, and to be honest, <laughs> it is really weird going from a pastor to, you know, I, I don't just say just a member, yeah. but you know, like it, it, it is, is weird. It yes, is it a is. really weird transition. Can I get a negative out of the way quickly so then we can just concentrate on the positive side. The question or the kind of the premise of caring and feeding the pastor, can I just say, let's not produce pastors that must get a ton of care, a ton of um, uh, feeding uh, or they feel really hard done by. Oh, sure. So so what I'm kind of saying is like, you you need a thick skin in ministry. So, you know, if somebody- We don't want to feed a martyr complex. No, and if you're kind of going every day, oh, I'm tired and it's hard work, like encouragement is just actually going to feed a little bit of that issue. So if I can Mm. just say straight kind of off the bat, then we can move to the positive. If you're just someone that kind of moans and groans and just wants your church to care for you, (laughs) like- You're the issue. Like, whoa, like, all like, right, man, <laughs> coming gonna, in hot. I was just going to uh, take that. The you reason I, <laughs> sucker pastors the reason, <laughs> having a hard time. Ross says it's your fault. I'm saying it because that I was once that guy who, okay. when people would say, like, how are you doing, pastor? And I would say, oh, man, it's hard work these days. I'm really tired. And I, and it was actually my wife that said, do you realize that 
this is what you always see. Almost a self-fulfilling and it, prophecy. And it, yeah, guy. and it was yeah. that reality of this is what you're called to do. It, it is hard, but you don't have to say it's hard all the time. Yeah. You just sometimes have to wise well, up. Well, it's a and joy too, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, Jesus calls us. He says, "I want to fill your joy, yeah. complete your joy." So I just wanted to kind of get yeah. that out there that there that what we're not talking about is that you feed the ego, you stroke the ego, okay. you make everyone feel lovely and great. That's kind of you can't give negativities, you can't share thoughts. I, I'm kind of just I, saying I like there are going to be times where actually pastors are going to have struggles and that that's okay okay and the ministry will have struggles yeah i'm and i'm not even necessarily thinking about having to support the pastor who's struggling with depression yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that i'm just saying the general, general how should a yeah. congregation's attitude yeah. how can they be supportive and yeah. building up because we are to do that for each other yes yeah. and in ideal situation i would say what's normative is the pastor is working towards the edification of mm -hmm. his congregation mm -hmm. How can we work towards the edification yeah. of our pastors? So it's not a one-sided yeah. kind of thing. One of my favorite things uh, that the church members have done for me in the past is is prayer. Um, yeah. I'm thinking uh, one Timothy two is kind of where I was thinking off. That's my um, first note, man. Were you cheating? <laughs> Are you looking stealing. at my notes? First I'm Timothy stealing. two. Pray for your leader. My, okay, go. So my eyesight's not that good. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 praying for those. Um, my translation for kings and all who are in high positions. Um, that that uh, they would lead a peaceful and quiet life. One of the aspects, though, in, in praying is not just sending a message to your pastor saying, hey, I'm praying for you. And one of the things that a couple of members of mine did before was they would ask specifics. You know, how can I pray for your family? How can I pray for your ministry this week? How can I pray for these things? Um, also, they would give general, which is, you know, I'm praying for your soul. I'm praying mm. for your joy in Christ. Um, but the key thing is they would follow up. And I think that's the key thing is a friend of mine preached yesterday as part of class. And he said, uh, we used to just, we just kind of say, hey, praying for you. It's like, okay, but what does that mean? Yeah. And I would say for your pastors, like ask about their kids, ask about their spouse, ask about their life. And if they're saying, hey, we're, we're doing some remodeling in the house, you know, praying that that'll be a joy for your family. A week later, hey, how did the remodeling go? Did you have good times? And it's not just how did the remodeling go, it's, I've been praying that your family would have a great time together. Did that happen? Yeah. You know, and it's kind of following up on that. So it's not just the the prayer for their ministry in life, but it's the follow up from that prayer of how did that go? Did did the Lord answer my prayer for you? Um, that that just is so encouraging, um, and even in tough times, talking about that. Um, I, there was one particular uh, man in my church that would come alongside me and just say, um, "You're you're looking tired." Mm. Uh, I'm going to pray for energy this week. And I remember the one time following up the the week afterwards, he said, you're still looking tired. I'm going to keep praying. Oh, wow. So it's just that type of prayer. It's not just, hey, praying for you. Yeah. It's, it's deeper than that. Well, I just, I mean, even in terms of attitude, it's if you're praying someone and you're carrying them in your heart, you have a disposition towards mm -hmm. them, which mm -hmm. is charitable. And, you know, even if you're concerned or even if you feel critical, I mean, it's especially important if you feel critical of someone or you're disappointed in someone that you pray for them because you're bringing them before the Lord. It's hard to pray for someone and disdain them at the same Agreed. time or Agreed. to have, um, it's not that you would be wrong in your criticism, but it's hard to bring them before the Lord in prayer and have a sinful kind of, hmm. um, you know, disgruntlement with them. Yeah. So to to pray really is to hold them in your heart before Jesus and I think 
um, I think pastors would love that, not just because of what the Lord can do through prayer, but actually the change yeah. in the folks who are praying. Yes. There's a you know heart effect that can take place mm-hmm. there. Um, one thing that I want to you know talk about, and this is difficult because essentially what I'm saying is that the average church member should be aware that they're not aware of 90% of what's going on behind yes. the scenes in yes. the church. And I enjoyed this for the last seven and a half years. <laughs> Obviously, you know about the things that are going on yep. in those who are close to you yep. or you know, certain situations you may be privy to because you have relationships. But by and large, like the pastors, are, like I just knew, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know what was going on, there was I more. know that the pastors are dealing with so many things that I have zero clue about yeah. because I'm not in in the room that they're in and I'm not see I'm not carrying the weight that they're carrying and I really I, I got to enjoy that it was disorienting when I first was not a pastor yep after about a year and a half or so two years I was I got to where hey I'm sleeping better at night I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not carrying the weight of responsibility for this church I care yeah. for my church yeah I want my church to be growing in Christ likeness I love the church I have the spiritual responsibility of being a covenant member, mm-hmm. but I don't have like, you know, what Paul talks about, the anxiety that I feel for all the churches. Yeah. There's just a certain, um, I don't know, sanctified anxiety, you know, not the, the sinful worry, but sanctified anxiety that pastors carry because yeah. they know what's going on in so many more relationships. They don't know everything that's going on. Um, even pastors don't know that, but they just see things. And so... When I was asked last year about if I wanted to be considered, you know, again to you know come on the elder board, this is a conversation my wife and I had, which was like, are we prepared to know things we didn't know yeah. about a church that we have loved and enjoyed not knowing things about yeah. for the last seven and a half years? Um, are are we prepared to to know things that we didn't know, to see things that we didn't see? And so I wasn't, and, and the answer was yeah. I mean, not we weren't prepared specifically because how can you yeah. if you don't know what's going on? Um, but we were ready to say okay. That actually helped us coming back in. It's helped me coming back in, like, not to be shocked. I was like, oh, they're dealing with that. I had no idea, but I was expecting there was going to be things I'm going to discover, you know. I'm still in the world of struggling with that. Uh, (laughs) We actually actually had a meeting, and and you actually said to me one day, yeah, but you don't know that. And I'm like... (laughs) But I kind of do because, you know, this yeah. is the, the average of what churches do, but you don't know that. And I'm yeah. like, you're right, I don't, but I'm struggling <laughs> with that. I, I think that's so true. Um, members always think their issue is the biggest issue. And they mm. always think their issue, always is a big word, but they, they, they lean to, I need responses now. I need this to happen yeah. now. Why is this not happening? What are you not doing? Why do I keep seeing you at Starbucks? You know, there's always these questions that yeah. keep coming along. And it's just live in an understanding way of your pastor. Now, there has been abuses of this where sure. pastors have pushed that limit. But but loving your pastor is also living in an understanding way of your pastor. And um, I, I once had a member that said, you know, uh, there was a, a cafe uh, called Thomas Two in Lincoln. It's actually closed down now. Um, I left took my business with me and it closed down. <laughs> it closed down. Um, but somebody said, you know, I saw you, you were in Thomas Two for like four hours today. Uh, you know, that, do you think that's responsible? You know, with all yeah. the work that's going on, I was like, you realized I was writing my sermon in Thomas Two. Yeah. Like I just needed to get out of the office. It was so loud in the church, so much going on. I just needed to be somewhere where it was different. And we knew the the waitresses there and they just kind of plied me with with Coke. And I was just like, I'm writing a sermon, need it done in four hours. And we're like, okay, we'll help you. And, you know, it was just our witnessing opportunity. It's just like, think the best and be understanding. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say specifically for the pastor's wife. 
Okay. When 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 you're talking about it, there's lots going on, if you think there's lots going on behind the scenes in the church, the pastor's wife has a lot going on. And the two hours you see her on Sunday, you know, with a smile on her face trying to serve the church, there's also six and a half days before that that she's been dealing with stuff at home, right. guiding her husband, helping her husband, helping the kids, serving, visiting women, praying, going through her own struggles live in an understanding way and think the best of them. And that doesn't mean that you think they can do no wrong. That doesn't mean you've right. got to every day going, oh, I just think you're so amazing. That's yeah. not what we're saying. We're saying actually when you have the tendency to go, but why are they not doing this? Think there must be a good reason. Yeah. Is it possible to make charitable assumptions rather than negative exactly. until proving wrong? Yes. I mean, and it can't be that you even explained. So you were able to say, I was working on my sermon, yeah. right? I, I remember a member was grumbling because there were two days in a row that I wasn't in the office for an extended period oh, yeah. of time. Both those days were with one family in a crisis counseling situation that needed intent. I had to be in the house, in their home. Well, I couldn't. I'm not going to put that on Facebook. I'm not going to social media that. No, no. I may social media. I'm working on my sermon at such yeah, and yeah. such or whatever. But I'm not going to be like helping, you know, so because my church was small enough that even if I anonymized it, yeah. it would be like, well, who's know. doing what? Who's, yeah. you know, it would have created a thing. Maybe if I'm in a larger church, it would be possible. But yeah. it's still, it's just not the kind of thing that you're broadcasting. And even when someone's upset, I'm not going to go, I was at so and so's yeah. house because their, you know, marriage is falling apart. That's none of your business, yeah. right? So maybe ask, hey, I noticed you weren't in the, office, but to, to grumble. So I yeah. just think even just to make an assumption like, oh, he must have some yeah. really busy, a busy yeah. week that he's not able to be here. Um, I've had the, uh, we drove past your house and your car wasn't outside. Yeah. Where are you? I'm like, <laughs> it, was, it was a tough yeah. ministry Sunday. We had a members meeting. Yeah. It didn't go particularly well. Had lots of issues. And we, my wife and I just decided, uh, Monday's my day off. We're, we're just going to go for a big, long drive. And we took a big, long drive. And I was literally getting messages through the day going, where's your car? Where are you? We can't see it. It's a small town community. Yeah. Like, are you not here? Please don't leave us. And I'm like, I just want a day off. Like, yeah. And wow. I would say, I would say genuinely, I agree with you. Give give charity towards your pastor. And, and I really yeah. want to labor the pastor's wife as well, because I think- Yeah, that's good. I think we just forget that she has a lot going on too. Yeah. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about charitable assumptions, remembering the pastor's wife. Let's talk about um, food. <laughs> well, we could talk about food, um, you know, spiritual food, maybe. Uh, we could talk about food. One thing that I've kind of made my, when I wasn't a pastor, this for the last, you know, this this previous season of my life, uh, Hebrews 13, 17, mm -hmm. obey your leaders, you know, submit to them. Okay. Yeah. The part that stands out to me is do not give them cause for groaning. Um, let me get the, see if I can get the wording correct. Uh, obey, this is Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as yeah. those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. This is a CSB. Joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. ESV uses the word groaning. I really took that to heart because, you know, as a pastor, there were folks in the church that, Caused me to groan, um, <laughs> yep. and not like groan in sympathy with their the hurts and pains, but caused mm -hmm. me to groan when I see them coming. Like this is not going to be a great conversation. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, steal myself up for what I know is coming. This this is person's always a downer. Or this person's always discouraging. That sort of thing. And so I thought when I became not when I became a lay person, or when I became not a pastor, I thought I want to, I don't want to be that person, mm -hmm. and I can be a high maintenance person. I think. I want to be as low maintenance a church member as possible. I yeah. want my pastors 
when I when they see me walking into the door, you know, into the room, I want them to think, oh, thank goodness Jared's here. Yeah. Or at least not be upset that I'm there or discouraged yeah. that I'm there. Maybe they're not celebrating them there, but it's I don't not, want them to be like, oh, okay. It's not not taking your issues to them. Yeah. Um, it's actually... Uh, <laughs> I was like one of our fellow students. Yeah, just so someone just arrived in the <laughs> studio. And, yeah, um, it's it's not not taking your issues to them. Pastors want to hear what's going on in your life. That's that's yeah, part yeah. of the role. It's we don't want to get the moan every single time. Yeah, and you know I'll fully admit. Just even recently, we we had some time together and a coffee, and and after that, I reflected. I felt like I had been quite moany, and I and I <laughs> and I actually said it's unfair on you to to just hear like a, a moan, yeah, because there's a difference between hey, I'm struggling with this, and hey, I just want to moan about this. Well, there but there's a also a difference, difference between someone in an ongoing relationship who does that on yeah. occasion. And someone like, this is the normative, the pattern of who they are. We've both had members (laughs) that you just like, really, I don't think it's possible for you to say a good thing. Do you know, like, and and it's trying to not be that type of individual. We always focus on the obey and submit, don't we, of that verse. It's like, hey, we've said it, you should do it. But actually what we're saying is if you have a heart that is one that wants to be a member that is adding, supporting, aiding, loving the membership, the, the church, then you're then you're going to yeah. submit and obey. Yeah. Well, and this is all about, so like the note that I made too is, and we can talk about maybe food fits into this, you know, that your church provides ample vacation time and that uh, you ask your pastors, you expect your pastors to take their day off and yeah. to have downtime. If you have a sabbatical policy, financial support to make sure that your pastor, uh, if he's a vocational pastor, is not worried about how he's going to keep his lights on and mm-hmm. all those sorts of mm-hmm. things that, that his bills are covered to the best of your ability. All of that is, this isn't about feeding the ego of a guy yeah. or just trying to make life quote unquote, easy for somebody. But if you love a, a, your pastor and you want them to be your pastor, right? This, is, this all assumes you want them to be your pastor. You'll invest in their joy. Yeah. You'll invest in their endurance. I mean, one of the rationales just for sabbatical uh, policy, which is becoming, I think there's a, a recovery of this, but it's still, it's, it, it, it needs to gain ground in more churches. The natural response for some church members is to say, well, gosh, I don't every six years get yeah. a whole month off of my job, you know, yeah. et cetera. And you want to say, okay, that's acting out of self-interest. Like, I don't, I, I don't get that either. Um, but I want my pastor to have it for two reasons. Uh, one, reflexively, is not um, it's not like, well, if I don't get that, I don't want someone else to have mm-hmm. it. That's a selfish way of thinking. Yeah. Um, if he can get it, I want him to have it. But the other thing is, I want him to be my pastor for a long time. And if and if this is an investment in his endurance, his perseverance, if I know every few years giving him an extra, you know, six weeks or a month or whatever it is, a way to recharge and refresh and be with his family and all those sorts of things, if that's going to add up to him being to a longer tenure, yeah. Man, I want to invest in that. Yeah. It's it's worth it. I think this not having this is more of an issue in the States than it is in the UK. Yeah. So in the UK, you would kind of get standard four to six weeks holiday every year anyway. Wow. Um and, and that would be a standard. If a church was giving you less than twenty-eight days annual leave uh, fully paid, then that would be highly unusual. Yeah. So I think there's it. I'm not going to say that it's better in the UK. I just don't think we quite have the same issue with the, the breaks as in taking some breaks. What I would say is more of an issue in the UK is allowing pastors to do a project that's just for them. 
So here it's okay. more uh, normative to do a degree or to write a book or to do some study or to go to conferences. I would say in the UK that's frowned upon a little bit more. Why do you need to read a book? Why do you need a degree? You know, there's, there's, oh, yeah. so we'll get the time off, but we might not get the time to do the project that we really would love to get our teeth into. Where yeah. here you don't quite get the time off, but you get to do the project. So <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of one of those things. It, it, it swings around about in terms of what it is. Um, I love your point off. If you want your, if you want the guy to be your pastor long term, and again, not stroking the ego, not making life easy for yeah, him, yeah. but just I would love you to lead me and my family. So I'm going to do what it takes to 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 help that because I, my family benefits from you pastoring us. Right, that's right. Um, yeah, there's no benefit. I mean, even Hebrews, you know, thirteen seventeen ends with like. This is unprofitable for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you could think of it as like, man, this is just buttering this guy up or puffing him up. But you know, the author of Hebrews is saying, even if you're acting in your own self-interest, mm. you will do these things because it's it's good for you to have leaders who um, who have joy. Yeah. You want joyful leaders, and you want them to be happy in their work. I want them to enjoy being my pastor. Yeah. I don't want to make that more difficult than it needs to be. The job's already difficult. The role's already difficult. And there's so many ways of doing that. You've kind of mentioned the um, the work ways, the kind of contracts, you know, the money and uh, the the time off, things like that. Um, recently, I've I've taken to saying to pastors, hey, your, your, your role is tough going. Do you want to just blow off some steam and, and, and not do the pastor bit for a minute? Yeah. Um, let's go and play golf. Let's go for a run. Let's go for a walk. And actually on that walk, not go, not bring anything to them. Just be like, hey, yeah. how's the family going? Are you interested in golf? What's, you know, just getting to know them. And uh, so there was a guy in my last church, we would go bowling and he would literally just message saying, I've got a free night. If you're free, I'm going bowling, my treat. And it wasn't the money thing. It was more just like he was inviting me into it. Yeah, yeah. And we used to love just doing that. We never talked about church and it was just nice to go. Actually, this is just fun. We were two dads and we would just laugh at, at kind of going out. I also think you can push it into like food and things like that. Um, you know, I, I'm loving and uh, enjoying helping our pastors right now be introduced to Scottish cuisine <laughs> okay. and uh, I am brew and all these things. And it's just enjoyable to say, this is something I love and I would like to share it with you. I don't mind if you don't like it or not, but I would like to share it with you. Yeah. And again, it's just reminding pastors that you don't always have to be on. You can be just the yeah. guy, you know, just the dad, the husband, the guy that likes this type of food. That's that's okay. Like we were going to see Jesus Revolution. Like we're just we're, we're two guys and our wives going yeah. to see a movie. It doesn't have to be pastor member relationship. It can just be brothers in Christ. Yeah, I like I you know sometimes talk about it in terms of like can I take the pastor hat off? Yeah. So there's, you know, especially if there's folks in your church and honestly, in my experience, they're very few and far between. Yeah. Um, even if there's some folks that you can maybe kind of feel relaxed around, um, this is especially true when I was, you know, vocational pastor. It's it's less of a, an issue as a lay pastor, but um, I just I always felt like, yeah, even in moments of of relaxation or whatever, like I still I'm still pastor. I yeah. still got to keep that hat on. It was very hard to find someone that I've just felt like, oh, I can just breathe and I can just be yeah. myself. It typically was somebody outside of my church but that I could do that. If with. you are that person for the pastor where they could breathe, yeah. don't break their trust. Right. Like that, that, that's something I would say mm. coming out of ministry uh, for this season in my life has been really nice to know that I am not 
really I'm not watching over your soul. I can just I can be a friend. Yeah. And I would say over the years, far too many times we've tried to have that in ministry and someone's broken trust. Yeah. They've said something. You know, on a night where you're just like, oh man, that was tough going today or you know, the sermon didn't get as much focus as I wanted it, or my wife and I are struggling with things, hey, pray for us. And then, you know, a week later, it's a big issue within the church. And you're just like, I was just having a moment <laughs> of kind of yeah. just letting off steam. And yeah, yeah I, I just, please, please don't break the trust of your pastor. If you're that confidant, if you're that friend, and, you know, don't be jealous of other people that get that place. Just understand your pastor needs friends. The pastor's wife needs friends. Yeah, The pastor's kids needs friends. Don't break the trust because actually as you go into their home, you're probably going to see and hear things that that are right on the edge of what you should and should not hear, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, trust that they're opening the door to you for that. And that's one of the, I think, the best ways to care for your pastor is to not break their trust. Yeah. Um, unless you're moving into a sinful issue and you need to bring that to like an elder board. But to be their friend you know, I just think of Jesus, friend of sinners. What an attitude we could have if we were, you know, Joe Bloggs, friend of the pastor. Mm. You know, just just something nice about that. You know, even in in ways that aren't directly in relationship with the pastor, you know, we're talking about being an encouragement or low maintenance, mm. just pursuing personal holiness, um, trying to contribute to the general joy yeah. and unity of of the church. Um, I was, you know, processing some things with my wife a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've made this recurring joke for, you know, 10 years or so, but it, I just thought, wouldn't it be great if everybody would just act right for like a week, just <laughs> act normal. There's a couple of things going on in the church, you know, I'm, I was, you know, talking about it with my wife and I was like, you know, it's just, again, it's one of those things like just for one week, if everybody would just act right. Yep. And this is apart from, there's things that we cannot control. We have you know, brokenness in our life, suffering, mm. grief. There's things that come into our life that have nothing to do with what we can control yeah. or not control. But to the extent that we can control, am I walking in holiness? Am I contributing cheerfully to the church? So even if I'm not directly communicating to the pastor, am I living my life in such a way that I'm not adding to the burden of yes. the pastor, yeah. but alleviating the burden from the pastor, like taking things off his plate? If I'm someone who is engaging in private sin, and I'm investing in making a train wreck of my life, or I'm investing in other relational conflicts in the church or whatever, I am now investing in my pastor's burden. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm making him you know, more burdened. Even if he's not aware of it yeah. yet, I'm on layaway for yeah. a cataclysm that's going to... Yeah. It's like pressing into his joy of, you know, how many times have you preached a sermon series and... You know, some people just get it and you can see it. You know, they're excited mm. to hear. They're excited to put it into action. They're, they see the beauty of the gospel again and you just see the change in your life. Man, that 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 puts us on a treadmill ready to run for the next thing. I, I remember one family and, and the wife was very much like this. She was kind of almost reinvigorated by a, a Daniel. We're going through the book of Daniel and going through that series. She She loved it and you could see the change in her life. And that was just such a spur on. On the flip side, seeing Christians of many years get trudged through issues that you're just like, why are you making this a problem? Or, you know, do you read your your, your Bible daily? Yeah, I've never really believed in that. You know, I've never really <laughs> done that. Or that was for me when I was younger. And you just, sometimes you just feel like you're hitting your head off a brick wall. And you just, it's not that you're doing it for the pastor. 
is that your personal pursuit of holiness and of Christ is such a joy for a pastor to watch. And it's such a heartache for a pastor to see that not happening. And I think being aware of that, being aware that your pastor is like always 50-50. He's always joyful over the people that are really progressing and always heartbroken for the ones that just are regressing or staying stale. And I would say coming out 18 months ago, uh, that heartbreak was the thing I was um, happy to let roll off my shoulders. Mm. Just the heartbreak of knowing that every night I'm going to bed going, this family struggling with this yep. or they're still not going somewhere. So, you know, I kind of want to say, you know, you're you're back in it. That heartbreak is tough going, yep. you know, to to see that every day. It is. And if you're a pastor who's listening, you should know we pray for you. We care about you or we we know the burden that you carry, maybe not specifically, of course, but just the the general accountability, giving an account for um, for the congregation. And if you're not a pastor listening, um, we want to say to you, pray for your leaders, yeah. support them any way you can, pursue personal righteousness and the general unity of the church. I guess I would just close with this encouragement. If you have a, a membership covenant of some mm-hmm. kind, a membership agreement of some kind, one thing that I, I find helpful that we do at, at Liberty Baptist Church is we rehearse that in various forums, Lord's Supper time, now we're doing it at every membership meeting. We certainly try to get our prospective members well-versed in that. Look at that. Next time you look at that or rehearse that, ask yourself as you're reciting it, am I really believing this? Am I making this commitment or am I just reciting these words? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true of anything that we would sing songs in church or rehearse other things in church. But if there is a, a covenantal agreement that you've made, ask yourself, am I actually contributing to the welfare of my church? Am I investing in the joy of my brothers and sisters? Am I actually doing these things? And take the responsibility that you need to take mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you do that. That is ultimately, there are bad pastors out there. There's abusive pastors out there. Yeah. There's lazy pastors out there. There's egocentric pastors out there. But I think the normal pastor, the normative pastor, is just an imperfect guy got some problems, got some flaws, but he's doing the best he can Mm -hmm. and could really use church members who just love him and give him grace and want to support and and build him up any way they can. Mm -hmm. If you enjoy our podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I beg of you. (laughs) I'm pleading with you. Give us a good review. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.